over the course of human history. There's been Noah's Ark, savior of mankind. St. Francis of Assisi, foregoing his wealth to be savior of all animals. And Curtis Sliwa, guardian angel and savior of New York City, protecting both man and beast. The Curtis Sliwa Show presents... Curtis's Ark with Nancy Sliwa. From bipeds to quadrupeds and everything in between. Now, with Nancy Sliwa, here's Curtis Sliwa. As my personal scratchathon continues, we now segue into the Animal Welfare Hour, which, uh, out of all the hours that I do at WABC, where the acronym stands for Always Broadcasting Curtis. Uh, it is the most listened to, uh, the one I get the most response to, the most emails, the most requests of the many hours that I do here within the course of the week at WABC. As a result of that, our owners and operators, John and Margot Katzmatidis of our parent company, Red Apple Media, led by our Presidente, Chad Lopez, will be syndicating this Animal Welfare Hour one-hour program in February across the nation uh, from coast to coast, uh, because one thing that's different than uh, regular talk radio is that you could be a Biden supporter like Anthony Weiner. You could be a Trump supporter like Sid Rosenberg. You can be apolitical and not really be involved in politics. One thing uh, that I have seen wherever I go is that if you shift the conversation away from sports or politics or culture People who are radically different in nature from one another, for the most part, love animals. Dogs, cats, other animals, animals who become their friends, their family members, animals that they care for who live outdoors like feral cats and other animals. Uh, That's why the audience is extraordinarily large as opposed to a talk radio uh, audience or a sports talk uh, radio audience, because then it gets very tribal. What are you, Republican? What are you, Democrat? What are you, a Met fan? What are you, a Yankee fan? No, not with this. You don't really see the arguments like that. Oh, you like dogs, you like cats. It's like, no, we like all animals. This is what people, for the most part, like. And this program is dedicated to try to share with all of you things that are happening in the animal world, but also things that we can do to change what is happening uh, unfairly to animals uh, due to abuse, lack of care, lack of focus, and the fact that we're spending a lot of money and the animals are not benefiting. So let's go to the first story here, Nancy. Um Scientists are now in a race to keep dog aging project alive. There is now a lot of money and a lot of research being spent by vets to try to make sure that your friend, your family member, that little fluffy little yarn bull dog actually can live longer but also a healthier life. Yeah, so this was um, a study that was initially started in 2019 when scientists had reached out uh, to the American public to, uh, you know, sort of solicit people who wanted to have their dog involved in a study. And what it was really was uh, to help for their health and longevity as they're aging. 
So they track the dogs over the course of their lives and, you know, there's like a series of information they're taking from them regarding uh, their bodies, their lifestyles, their home environments. Um, there's also elements of having uh, like veterinarian reports sent, um, you know, and they initially were trying to get 10,000. They've got 47,000 uh, dogs and counting. So, you know, I mean, and again, it's it's a, a project that is a little bit early in the sense that it's only five years and it's tracking uh, the, the animals throughout their lives. But uh, right now, unfortunately, it's like a, a concern about it being funded initially because it gets most of its funding from the National Institute of Health, uh, National Institute of Aging. And they've said, well, you know, we don't really think it's uh, eliciting the types of results as quickly as we'd like. So we don't think we're going to fund it anymore um, with the exception that, I mean, you know, this is a type of funding that you need to continue for a while to, you know, really see the results of it. If you're trying to, you know, plan for their entire lives and to follow, I mean, and this is really what's so incredibly important. I mean, this is where this is really starting from, the fact that, um, you know, it, it was sort of born from the fact that so many people would give almost anything to try to, you know, spend more time with their animals to increase their life and, also the idea that there's a lot of uh, you know similarities between aging in dogs and, and aging in humans, like in terms of uh, some of the elements of like cancer and dementia. So this is something that does require uh, some longevity before you can really sort of get uh, to the results. So obviously they're trying to now fundraise independently just to continue this going. But for instance, some of the, uh, the things that they've found so far is that um, – Canine cognitive dysfunction, so like doggy dementia, it's more common in sedentary dogs than active ones. And dogs fed once a day are less likely to have a variety of health problems than those who eat more frequently. So, you know, like I said, the information that can be useful and help inform pet owners going forward is, you know, it's starting to surface a lot more. But, I mean, it's a worthwhile study because this is just so very important. I mean, you really need to have deep dives into the health of animals because, you know, as as much as there is, you know, certain elements that we know about it, let's face it, it's an industry that needs a lot more, uh, you know, people working in it for all the obvious reasons. I mean, we need to understand our animals better. So the concept here is the dog should live longer with a better quality of life. And and that and they're trying to find out, like, what are the similarities? Um, is it certain breeds? Is it certain environments? Is it certain diets? So this is where the 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 uh, longevity of it really becomes helpful because you can see like how is it playing out like are certain dog breeds doing better is it environmental factors is it food factors is there you know uh, certain elements of certain dogs getting um, illnesses at certain ages uh, sooner you know, so there's a lot of information that can be garnered and again this is the first time that you're seeing this much information I mean forty seven thousand dogs being enrolled in it so. This is the first time they're really, you know, trying to dive into this information to give people, you know, some good feedback. Well, on the dog uh, part, apparently a shelter dog escaped a kennel out in Arizona and tried to free other dogs in the shelter. Yeah. So this was a a husky uh, that lives in a, you know, like a rescue shelter and it was able to open up its own door. Now, this is in uh, Arizona. It's called Last, uh, Last Our Home pet rescue in Tempe, Arizona. And about 12 o'clock, 1 o'clock in the morning, this dog is able to get out of its kennel. And they have they have really cute video footage of it first trying to open the doors for other dogs, <laughs> which it was unable to do. And then after that, it gets into the main office, 
uh, finds out where the food is, opens all the stuff up, and then starts eating the food. And because it, this was like it, it uh, tripped an alarm, they had the police came by. So the, you see the officer entered the door, and it's like all this dog wanted to do was have some attention and play. Like, you know, it's it's cute, but it's it's sad. Like, you know, you you sort of see that, uh, that that's really all he wants. He probably just wanted to play with his friends. That's why he, he was trying to let them out of the cages, but he couldn't do that. You know, I mean, and, and that's why, you know, def, definitely it'd be great if they had them, um, you know, hanging out together at the nighttime so they wouldn't get so lonely. And uh, Korea, the country of Korea, South Korea, has banned uh, the sale uh, of dog meat, which was uh, sold in restaurants and in marketplaces. Yeah, now, apparently this is, um, you know, it, it is uh, part of the history in South Korea is that, uh, you know, people have eaten dogs. Um, you know, part of it was, you know, um, lack of alternative food sources. But, you know, this this has continued because in, two, in uh, 2022, about 520,000 dogs were being raised for human consumption at over 1,000 farms and 1,600 restaurants were selling dog meat nationwide. So it still was incredibly prevalent, even though about 93% of uh, South Korean adults said they had no intention of consuming it and they didn't support uh, whatsoever the, uh, dogs being eaten. So this was one of those examples of the public sentiment really, um, you know, being so strong in favor of these animals and, you know, not doing this and it taking so long would finally change it, though. This is interesting because it's been attempted many times to be pushed through, but only uh, the current, let's see, the current president and the president's wife, the first lady who owns numerous pet dogs and cats, they campaigned for the ban. The president managed to succeed after previous governments had failed to gather enough support to end the practice. So it's all about who's in office. So this is South Korea. Again, how many dogs would be raised each year for the purpose of selling their meat in restaurants or marketplaces? 520,000. So basically they were being raised the way cattle would be raised, so pigs, hogs. Yeah, and 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 one of the things that they did too, in addition to you know making obviously um, the penalties against the very severe you know jail time uh, financial penalties, also offered financial incentive for dog farmers and owners of the restaurants to switch their jobs. Right, this is like an essential thing. I mean, I like if you if you understand that these people do have a job and they're relying on it, even though they're not you know coming from a humane standpoint, they're coming from a monetary standpoint. That's how you can you know work with them. Look. You're going to be out of a job, but here's how we're going to transition you into uh, having the same sort of restaurateur job, but you're now you're just doing a different product. So you, you need to work with people as opposed to just banning it outright because if you, they were just to ban it, then these people are just going to do it underground because they still need money. So you're recognizing you need to help people transition into other jobs. This is the Animal Welfare Hour exclusive to WABC. Our next subject affects us locally. Throughout the Upper East Side, there were a... Uh, a, uh, I'd say probably uh, dozens and dozens of posters, uh, well-done posters, color posters of a fluffy little yarn dog, uh, yarn ball dog, ball, yarn ball dog, uh, looked uh, very engaging in the photographs, and uh, they were offering twenty thousand dollars to search and find. This dog, which sparked off an Internet firestorm. Can you take us from beginning to end? 
Well, yeah. So the the posters themselves for this missing um, a mini golden doodle uh, called Rosie. Now the posters initially they show an award of of uh, six thousand dollars for you know the return of the dog information like that. But independently, the owner of this dog started a GoFundMe page, and part of the reason was for that for you know for the the search reward money. Uh, you know, flyers and things like that, expenses. But now that's raised $20,000 already. So what happened was, um, you know, a, a TikTok person wound up doing a video about this and, you know, to some extent kind of shaming this this person for, for raising the money. Um, you know, oh, yeah, I guess, you know, you can spend that type of money if you live in the Upper East Side. You know, like in, in that's – and then because she, you know, has a big following on TikTok – and then the sign, you know, had information. Oh, this is where I live. This is my number. If you ha- if you find this dog, then she started getting like independently um, chastised online, and actually getting to the point of uh, you know people reaching out to her, threatening her, um, saying I have your dog, trying to get like ransom money from her, uh, you know, and and online just like basically trying to shame her, <laughs> like saying oh I don't even think this dog exists. She's probably just trying to steal money. So. It got very out of hand where, you know, this woman – so again, right, to the point of saying she even hired a professional pet tracker. That was part of the money. That's what they were, like, making fun of her a little bit. So, I mean, again, to the point she says, look, this is my dog. I would, you know, spend anything I could and, and trying to find it. And the GoFundMe allows people to raise it. But she's gotten a lot of backlash because of it, unfortunately. Well, it's it's very unusual. Very unusual, Yeah. I mean, you just don't see that. Now, people, we, we, in the course of us walking around the city, uh, whether uh, as just normal uh, citizens or uh, a case of being a guardian angel, I see these flyers all the time. Yeah. Well done. Yeah. People have posted them up. They have volunteers who go out there. It becomes like a community issue. Yeah. But I don't think I've ever seen anything like this before. Yeah, I mean, and again, it was, I, I think, to the point of when they saw the independent GoFundMe page and they realized how much money she was raising, then the idea is, well, what if, uh, you know, the dog isn't found, isn't returned? So, yeah, they almost were were trying to make it seem like she's trying to steal money from people. Like she had shade on her face. Yeah, ex- exactly. So, I mean, again, you can say what you want to, but, I mean, it doesn't seem like any of the information she gave was uh, incorrect. And they're just like, oh, well, it would be nice if anyone could do this. Well, anyone can do it. Anyone can start a GoFundMe page and solicit information and put up signs. I mean, yeah. So, I mean, again, and it's all because she's trying to get her dog back. Um, you know, the dog went missing in Central Park on Thanksgiving weekend. So, you know, I think at this point she's just getting very desperate. I mean, it's a long time for a dog to be gone. And apparently she has a person, a professional, who <clears throat> is in the park every day looking for the missing dog says that if all else fails, his tracking ability, he will revert to using a clairvoyant, you know, somebody who comes to the scene and they can, uh, in a new age way, uh, be able to try to feel the vibe of where the uh, dog may be, whether the dog is alive, dead, or maybe in the hands of uh, somebody else. But she's going all out here. This is all out. I mean, yeah, and in, and to your point with that, that like uh, sort of pet detective guy, he initially had set up motion detection sen- sensors in Central Park where the dog was last seen. 22 motion detector sensors, which is pretty 
you know, pretty in, uh, intense. Uh, but nothing has arrived on that. And then he said, yeah, like it, it, when I, when all else fails, I, I revert to clairvoyance. Is this Jim Carrey? <laughs> it could be. Pet detective, on. right? Exactly, exactly. All right. Now, speaking of missing, <clears throat> that's just since uh, Thanksgiving. Yes, that's a long time. Imagine a missing cat is gone. Three years later, reunite, reunited with its family and its owner. Can you tell us the basis of that? Because I would have thought that family probably thought that cat was gone forever. Yeah. Um, so this was in Hawaii. And, you know, it, so the cat had been missing for <clears throat> for three years. Now, obviously, I don't think anyone would think after three years you're going to find a cat. And it it just so happened that when they were in the shelter, then they had come across the cat that was theirs. Now, what what I'm sort of thinking is if, if I lived in Hawaii and I was a cat, maybe – Maybe it wasn't really lost so much as it ran away. <laughs> it's like a nice place to live. Damn right. And uh, when I've been there, I've guardian angels there in uh, Oahu. Um, you got all kinds of animals out there. You know, um, even engaging you in the urban areas. Honolulu is a big city. That's uh, the major city. But I could easily see that happening. So three years. Now, did they have a chip in it? No, it didn't have a chip in it. Otherwise, they probably would have been able to uh, locate them sooner. But again, the problem with the with the chips and the uh, the animals anyway is you have to keep them up to date. So a lot of people they'll just get the chips as a matter of course. But then what happens is if you don't register it, if you don't go online, it won't have any of the the information that leads anyone back to you in the first place. So that yeah, that was a problem. We're gonna go to your calls momentarily, but the story <laughs> of the week, bar none. It's got millions and millions of hits. It's gone viral, TikTok, Instagram, every social networking platform has carried this video. And it shows you how this city does not have control of its rat problem. Rats uh, probably has actually gone up six percent. Uh, the number of rats being reported that are roaming in the streets and in buildings and alleyways and backyards has actually increased six percent. We discussed this briefly last week uh, that the main area is East Harlem, but there was a video of a homeless guy, and I see so many of them sleeping in the subways on the platform. He was at the end of the platform under a blanket. You could tell it was a human being. It was not trash under there. It was just not a blanket uh, discarded and left there. There was an actual man under there who was moving around. As the person came closer to check on the man to see if he was okay, which if you have your wits about you, uh, I would suggest you do, because a lot of times people uh, either have... Um, uh, they will have passed away, and you won't know that. Uh, they have had diabetic shock, uh, all kinds of medical issues, stroke, heart attack, and you just wouldn't know. You just pass them by. So the videographer goes up to him, are you okay? And then you see a stream of about 24 rats leaving underneath the blanket and heading into the tunnel of that subway station, most of them baby rats, but a few adults there too, who had actually been under the blanket oh my gosh. with the homeless guy 
who was moving. Yeah, and and what happened was so as the people were were filming, uh, you know, he's sleeping at the the end of the subway platform. He has a gray blanket on him, and his shoes. You can just see the shoes underneath. So the people are walking. They're starting to film him. And, you know, again, they see some movement, but then, the, you know, I guess they're calling out to him to see how, is he okay? And because he he hears them, he moves his, his blanket aside, and then a few rats run. But then all of a sudden, there's like 20 rats just come flying out from underneath the blanket and go into the subway track. So I don't know how, I mean, I guess he was huddling with them to sleep because... That's the only idea. I mean, how he would not know they were there, but maybe they're they're friendly together. Well, I remember I was at 47th Street, 50th Street, Rockefeller Center. I think I had just done something with Fox News Channel, so I was waiting for the uptown train. And there was a guy sitting down, and his back was up against the iron girder, you know, that's right on the platform. Yeah. yeah. Behind him, there were six rats. Okay who were like slowly coming up to him because he had put some kind of food down. Okay. So they were very gingerly approaching him. So I said to him, hey, Mac, look behind you. He saw those rats. He got up. He was so frightened. <laughs> he was running in all different directions. Some people, they get terrified by rats. I mean, that's the mayor. He says he's scared of rats. I realize there are a lot of people scared of rats, scared of mice. I've seen grown men. Like six feet four, like 240 pounds, totally buffed. And they see see a little mouse. And they go crazy. In fact, the uh, former great uh, football player, even played baseball, Neon uh, Sanders. Deion Neon, coach of uh, Colorado, the Buffaloes, did a whole video because he was upset that the office that he had at the University of Colorado in Boulder had a mouse in it, and he wasn't going to return to that office until they caught, and he, as he described it, a little mouse. Yeah. And this is a guy who wasn't afraid of, like, 280-pound linemen trying to smash him into the gridiron. Well, you know, I, 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 I don't know if I have a problem necessarily being scared like that, but they're a little unknown because certainly if you see a, a cat or, you know, even a dog to some extent, you know, there's, there's, you're so... Um, it's so you're so familiar with how you interact with them. So if you didn't want to be around a cat, cat usually will run away. They'll be scared. But you can you know sort of uh, you know shake your feet, you know you know bang on the floor, and you know they'll run away. But with something like a rat, I don't think there's any sort of uh, comfortability where you feel that they wouldn't just be be fine with running on you on top of you. I don't think there's that level of scared that they have of human beings. Knowing rats the way I do, two-legged rats and four-legged rats, they're more afraid of you than you are afraid of them. Yeah, you think so? They're in a panic. Oh, they're in a panic. But there are times that at night, yeah. they're basically telling you, we rule the night. I mean, the ones in the subway seem pretty comfortable. Like, oh, very They, they comfortable. don't mind being on the platform Alongside well, you. you've seen a, a, a rat crawl right up a passenger while they're sleeping. <laughs> I did see that. And this happens often. So, you know, Eric Adams talking about how he's eliminating rats. He's got a rat's arena. 
Hey, Eric, do your freaking job. Uh, rat sightings are up 6%. He just put out a report through the sanitation department claiming the rats, uh, rat sightings are down. Hey, sanitation department <laughs> cannot compete with 311. People are seeing rats and they're reporting it on 311. Yeah, and no, none of these plans are going to work at all because the, the garbage is constantly on the streets. Oh, It's everywhere. It's everywhere. everywhere. In fact... You showed me a video, I'm going to play it next week, of a little girl walking <laughs> through Times Square. There's a little girl, a visitor. And I guess her mommy and daddy are just taking a video and asking, what do you think of New York City? It's dirty. There's rubbish everywhere. There's garbage everywhere. There's a little kid. Well, her first observations. Yeah, I, I think that the parents promised her, uh, the kids, like a glamorous New York City trip, but... I, the reality, uh, people, they don't realize it until they get here. Certainly now, in the case is, it's it's so disturbing because, again, there's there's garbage everywhere. And because they do this thing where they take the garbage cans away in anticipation of people not litter. I mean, the, the it's in the subways, it's on the streets, and then forget, and the people that you're constantly they, seeing. The MTA, I can't repeat it enough, yeah. these idiots have decided that to eliminate the amount of trash that is thrown out in the subway system, they remove the cans, not all of them, but some of them, so that if you can't find a can, you as the passenger... Just throw it in the tracks instead. ...are going to take it upstairs <laughs> and you're going to find another garbage can, public garbage can, that's probably overflowing to begin with because they've cut back on the pickups cut back on the overtime for the sanitation department. So it ends up in the tracks, which cause track fires. And worse, the rats are dancing the horror, the tarantella and the crypt dance in that garbage, and they're picking through it because that's how they feed themselves, and that's how they get bigger and look meaner and more <laughs> ominous and are frightening. Is Eric Adams... He should have left it to me. I would have been the rat czar at no charge. I think like rats. You will not beat them. You just need to declare detente. You can rule the night. Just don't come out during the day. Our family has grown. Welcome to the world, Hannah baby. Introducing a new collection, Hannah Soft, made with Tencel. It's so breathable, with stretchy comfort for all of baby's first moments. And it's cool and gentle on their skin all year round. Entrusted Hannah quality for your most precious gift. Hannah Soft. Made to last. Shop now at hannahanderson.com. The Curtis Sliwa Show presents Curtis's Ark with Nancy Sliwa. Now with Nancy Sliwa, here's Curtis Sliwa. And to the phones we go. It's Sandra first up in the queue, uh, New Jersey. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Sandra. Hi, Nancy. Hi, Curtis. Hello. Nancy, um, I was agreeing with you about the rats under the blanket. My reaction, too, was they were obviously not afraid of that man and vice versa. So that tells you something about those creatures. I mean, I I have a daughter. When she was little, I bought her hamsters as the first pet. And then you think mice, they're not that similar from hamsters. And then I guess rats are not that similar. You know, they're all kind of the same. But uh, so that's my reaction to those rats. You know, they maybe they're not so bad like people think, but 
and I hate when they're killed, but that's another story. But what I wanted to ask you, Nancy, is I see on TV every night the commercial from the ASPCA, and I and I give a donation automatically. It comes out every month. I give something for those pets that need to be rescued. So when I see this commercial and you see all these dogs in the snow, in chains, now I, I say, calm down, Sandra. They're, they're being rescued, but they don't show you them all being rescued. But I'm going to assume every dog that you see in that commercial is safe after, after they come there. <laughs> tell me that they are. Um, hmm. I don't know if I can tell you that they are. Um, it's, it's hard. It's hard to say. I'm not sure which ones that they, when they're filming. So obviously we hope that maybe those ones are, um, I. It's usually the same one all the time that they show. <laughs> yeah. I, I think what we can do for you, Sandra, is that we can yeah. do a deep dive overall on what the uh-huh. ASPCA is doing all over the country and come back next week with the figures and give you an idea of how many they're able to adopt out or foster out and how many end up getting euthanized. I'm just talking about the ones on that commercial because those are the ones that I see. And, and, and I get, like, anxiety when I see them there. And I'm just hoping that that day when they're taking those other pets in that setting, in that park or wherever that was, that all those dogs that are in the chains are, t- are also helped. I, well, I think- well uh, we might be able to uh, try to find out. I know exactly what uh, advertisement you're talking about. It's a very right. compelling uh, advertisement. Right. But, you know, it's also like when you see Sally Struthers do the Save the Children, you know, and they got flies buzzing around their head and, you know, they need food and they need books to go to school and all of that you sometimes don't necessarily know what's happened to the people who are directly in that commercial. I got to assume that most of them are rescued, but maybe some of them are not. So I tell you what, Sandra, we'll do a deep dive for you specifically on that commercial. We'll try to track it down. Oh, that would be great. Okay. Okay. Appreciate it. Have a good night. Yeah, that's Sally Struthers commercial. I can never understand that. God, Sally Struthers, last person in the world I want to do a commercial or save the children. Let's go to Joe in Queens. Your turn to be heard here on the uh, uh, Animal yes. Welfare Hour, Giuseppe. Right, right. I have two questions. Before I get to that, I'd still recommend that book, The Zoo by James Patterson, the audio book version. It's got some great scenes with rats. Uh, in the public library in that book. But uh, two two things I want to bring up. First is uh, the porcupine. Uh, I don't know how prevalent the porcupine is as a rodent in other countries, but they can climb trees. And, you know, I'm looking, they say they have roof rats, like roof rats that can climb uh, trees and get on roofs, say, in New York. And the second thing I want to bring up is about snakes. I don't know uh, if any of you guys have been to India, but uh, supposedly if they bite prey and then subsequently bite a human, uh, they may not have that venom. They have to kind of reconstitute the venom, and that's how they can bite humans and not harm them if they had just bitten, like, say, a prey earlier in the day. Have you heard that? All right, well, let's uh, bifurcate that. I have seen porcupines in Canada. I've not seen them in the United States. I will tell you this, Joe. 
I would much rather fondle a rat than a porcupine. Those, uh, those, uh, what can we call them? Uh, quills. Yes, quills. Correct. Uh, that are attached to their body. I don't know how the hell you can hold a porcupine because the whole idea of the quill is to protect itself from its predators. And yes, they have climbed trees. Now, when you talk about rats uh, in London, right near the wharf, I have seen some rats climb the side of buildings. That's right where the, the Thames River is. And, you know, you have all those old warehouses. And these these rats, these big fat rats were like Tarzan. <laughs> oh, really? I mean, they went right up the side of the building to the roof. And then they were scurrying along the roof. And I said... I have never seen that. And I've been in some uh, really rat-infested neighborhoods uh, all over the world, including uh, in India, which has a severe problem. But, Joe, what was that question about the snakes again, uh, if they were to bite you in India? Well, they say that the venom gets depleted when they uh, say they kill, like, an animal earlier in the day. And then if they bite a human... The venom for the day might have been used up. It takes a day or so for it to come back. Have you heard much about that? I only saw snake charmers in India when I was there in uh, Poncherry. They're sitting there. They're folded uh, with their legs. They're playing this little flute. And they got this snake right in the basket. And the snake is raising its head up. Um, I would say I would rather fondle a rat then find out if what you're saying is true, Joe. Okay, Curtis, <laughs> keep safe. <laughs> so porcupines, venomous snakes, and, and rats. And, I'll go and, with the and rats. rat fondling. Yeah, no, no. It's like right out of the movies. You know, they still have some of these snake charmers in India. It was Poncherry. It's near the coast. Guys playing like their flute. Hey, you know, there's a little basket there. And then all of a sudden you see this. Like the cobra. The cobra yeah, it looks right, like yeah. Mm-hmm. And they rear their head and say, uh, okay, I got it. It's all right. I'm not coming any closer. Rats, I'll fondle. Bats, I love bats. As you know, it bit me and I had to get those horse shots, 12 of them in my stomach for rabies. Porcupines, venomous snakes, I'll take a pass on that. Let's go to Denise, who's calling from Long Island. Your turn to be heard here on the Animal Welfare Hour at WABC, Denise. Hey, hi, Nancy. Hi, Curtis. Uh, Nancy, I have a twofold question. I'll try to be as quick as possible. First of all, I remember even when the, Mr. Casamassini said that he would get involved with getting uh, some of these abandoned storefronts and trying to put a plan together yeah. in order to take some of these animals out of the shelters. Yeah. Has anything been addressed so far as putting a plan structured together i mean anything structured not yet uh we we intend on approaching john right after the nationally syndicated show because we'd like to do that as part of a rollout because uh, it could also be done in other cities that are in the same situation but we'll keep you updated on that denise i would appreciate that and second very quickly um i'm in the process of updating my will or redoing the will and it's very easy to obviously give money to different organizations, cause of war, I mean, uh, little shelter, I mean, all the known uh, front range horses, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, but 
I would love to be able to give. I have no siblings. I have no one to confess the will. It's only me. Uh, so I would love to know of some either rescue organization or some something that would make a big difference. I know of a, um, believe it or not, uh, through my vet, uh, someone who left their house in Oyster Bay and their house became a rescue for cats. I am not in a similar situation because they live in a community with restrictions for that. So I can't do something as broad as that, only because of the restrictions. Otherwise, I would. Is there anything that, I, I mean, I don't know if you have something off the top of your head or if I should get back to you. I mean, but I want to do something that makes a difference. I think, I think Denise, yeah, I think, Denise, uh, I think we got your information last week. Was that correct? I know you didn't. If no, not, all right, you stay on the line, Denise, and uh, Tony will make sure that we get your information. And Nancy, will you follow up with her this uh, week? Yeah, absolutely. 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 Okay, let's go, if we can, to uh, Bobby, who's calling from Jersey City. Your turn to be heard here at WABC. Bobby? Curtis and Nancy, thanks for taking my call. Um, Curtis, I, I work construction before I, before I get on the fire department. And, uh, Curtis, I was down working on Chamber Street. I was, I was in, uh, working for Con Ed sub subcontract work. And um, I, was, I, was in, I was on the ground, and I was, I was street level, Curtis. And I... And, People had no idea how many rats there are. And I would watch this guy every night come out and pour the lard from the fryer, from the deli, into the sewer. And after you cooled down, there would be like 15, 20 rats. And people were oblivious. They're three, four feet away. And and it's just, you know, and, and every night they would go on. And people would just have no idea. And, and talk about rats climbing. Amazing. They, they, I see them climb all over. But, yeah, uh, no, no, there, there's a, a, absolutely, as we talked about the death uh, of Joyce Randolph, who was Ed Norton's uh, wife, Trixie Norton, you know, the sewer worker. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I've yeah. actually been in the sewers in New York City. They are infested with rats, infested. So I would estimate, and this is, uh, I'd say there are probably eight rats for every one citizen. So we have eight and a half million people. Add the illegals. That's nine million people. <laughs> times that by eight. <laughs> Absolutely. That's that's I'd why. Yeah. That's why when yeah. Eric Adams talks about rats, he has no idea. First of all, you're not going to know you're afraid of rats. The moment you no. see a rat, you're going to walk away. The reason that I know this is that when I was down in the tunnels, like you were to to work. I would observe them and watch what they were doing. And especially when I was a kid, there's a place in Canarsie, the Paddockett Basin, they would have these huge uh, storm uh, uh, sort of catch basins that would release into the Paddockett Basin. And I would walk in them, and they would go back uh, like a few hundred yards. And I mean, it was like Ben the movie. If you remember, Ben the movie was all about rats. Yeah, Willard. Yeah, ben and Willard, absolutely. Right. Now, some absolutely. people, they see it, they you know, it skeeves them out and they run away. Me, I just, uh, I mean, I just yeah. look at more and more and more observing them, what they're doing, how they're doing it. And trust me, I know a lot of people out there are intimidated by rats. They are more afraid of you than you are of them. 
Let's go to Tony in Florida. Your turn to be heard here on the Animal Welfare Edition of WABC, Tony. Good morning. Um, I live in the state of Florida in the Ocala National Forest. Yes. And the forest surrounds my house. In fact, they go over my house. And we've got something called tree rats, and they live up in the trees. And they'll drop down on top of my house and come in through the vent, the air vent. And we've got one living in the wall behind my dresser. And my cats take care of the baby she has, but they haven't been able to catch her. And a couple of weeks ago, I was sound asleep in bed. And I felt this pain on my finger, this constant pain. And as I woke up, I realized there was a there was a rat hanging off my finger, biting as hard as it could. So I sat up, and it ran off. And I looked at it under the light, and it had left a mark all the way around my finger from its teeth. But it wasn't bleeding too bad, so I disinfected it and went to the emergency room and had to get rabies shots. And in case anybody wonders, they hurt really bad. Um, the first shot they gave me, they put it right in the wound, and um, it's to bind the, the like if there's a rabies germ there, it's to bind the germs so they don't spread into your body. And that hurts like hell. And I had blood running down my elbow. It, it bled more from that than it did from the rat. And they also give you a tetanus shot and three other shots, and one of them goes in the thigh, and that one hurt for about five days. And then I had to go for three more sets of shots. Now, those did not hurt. And the other shots I didn't talk about, they didn't hurt. It's just those two that hurt really bad. And they don't give them to you in your stomach, so you don't have to worry about that. Yeah, well, when I was a kid, I've told this story before. Because uh, what looks like a flying rat is a bat. And bats hang upside down during the day. They're nocturnal and they fly around at night. And they hang out in trees sometimes. And I would climb the trees in the back of Canarsie Cemetery. It was the only secular cemetery in the city, owned by the city. And I would hang upside down and just look at the bats. And one time, Tony... A bat took umbrage. I guess I dislodged the branch, and it woke up, and it bit me. And then the next thing I know, I'm in Brookdale Hospital, an emergency room, and I had to take a a series of 12 shots in my stomach with what looked like horse needles. Now, that was old school. Yeah. You got the rabies shots the way they're doing them now. Which is bad enough. Yeah, it's a lot, a lot easier. I mean, two of them hurt, but I'd prefer that than getting them in my stomach. So other than having the cat in your premises, what else do you do to water off rats that are hanging out in trees that hang over your house? Well, I used to have a cat who just about lived up there, and I'd hear framing and banging and know that she caught another rat. But then she passed away, and ever since she died, then we've had this problem. We've got another outdoor cat now, and I saw her running by with a rat in her mouth. So I think she's taken up the other cat's um, place. But in the meantime, we've still got these rats we're trying to get rid of. And um, the traps that we use work, but 
the one that's in the wall here, you know, I'm having real trouble getting to it. Do you have an indoor cat? Well, I've got three indoor cats and one outdoor cat. Okay, so the indoor ones aren't able to get the rat? They're able to get the babies. Okay, gotcha. Okay, but they're, they're not able to get the mother. Okay. So now, just to describe to our audience, Tony, you live in Florida, but you live in a tropical forest, right? And where the exactly? Category. Where exactly is that? It is. Um, it's the northern part of part of Central Florida. George is about two hours north of us, and Disney is about an hour and a half south of us. All right. So now we know where that is. You, your neighbors have the same problems. Yeah, you know, I don't know. We Where we live at, it's really rural, and I don't have many neighbors. Wow, you're so, really out in the boonies. Yeah, I am. We've now, got an acre and a half of woods, and then the area that surrounds us is owned by the Forest Service, and that's all woods. Where Where were you originally from, Tony? Ohio, Cleveland. What, you... You went from Cleveland. Which part of Cleveland? <laughs> well, I grew up in the suburb of Cleveland, and then I actually moved to the city when I turned 18, and I lived there for five years and then met my husband down here in Florida and moved down here to marry him. Now, you see, I've been in East Cleveland, uh, which yeah, has his, Cleveland. It's got some big rats there, some big urban rats. Yeah. So you leave the city of Cleveland because, you know, right along the lake, Lake Erie there, they got them wharf rats. So you leave Cleveland, you live now in the middle of the boonies north of Orlando, (laughs) and you got rats in the trees. Yeah, yeah. I didn't know any of that until I moved down here and rats kept showing up. (laughs) I wouldn't look. I didn't know that either. You know, I, the last thing I'm thinking of is when I'm in parts of Florida, which obviously you're in a very tropical, foresty area, that you'd be looking yeah. up in the trees and there would be these big rats. Yep. I had no clue. I'm like, why do they keep picking on us? You know? And then somebody told me, like, really nonchalantly, like, I should already know that. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Tony, uh, I would say we're far away from you, but there are a lot of New Yorkers coming down there, but they're not living around you yet. I would just say get more cats. Get more cats yeah. to, to fight off those rats. Yeah, they're doing a good job, but more more than merrier. Exactly. Thank you. Now, you see, that's why the animal welfare program is so important. Here's a woman listening to us. Rural part of Florida, north of Orlando, part of the tropical forest. There ain't nobody around. She's in the boonies. And yet she's listening to WABC. And conveying to us a rat problem in the last conceivable pro- area you would think. I'm telling you, in the world, there are way more rats than people. There are 8 billion people that they've calculated that live in the world now. In the places that I've gone... Especially third world countries, there is. No, I would, I would say, treble that. Probably twenty four billion rats in the world. That's my, that's my layman's estimate. That's here. very like biblical, right? Rats falling from the sky. Exactly. <laughs> exactly.
The Curtis Sliwa Show presents Curtis's Ark with Nancy Sliwa. Now, with Nancy Sliwa, here's Curtis Sliwa. To the phones we go. It's Pamela in New Jersey. Welcome to the Animal Welfare Hour, Pamela. Oh, good evening. Um, uh, I've called about, uh, uh, I'll talk about that secondary, but to reply to that lady about the rats, I had a uh, chicken coop in the south, a long story, and um, they were attacked. And, you know, there's weasels, there's snakes, you know, a chicken coop is like the KFC for animals down there and um, or anywhere. But um, the vet uh, told me I brought one of the chickens to the vet and he said, oh, this was wood rats. You know, so, you know, there are forest rats, naturally occurring rats. They don't need an urban environment. You know, they're a little different species. And, of course, down south they have those huge rats. So um, rats are everywhere. They're the uh, recyclers of the uh, of the world. But um, I was calling about that construction guy. He mentioned that the deli guy was pouring lard down the uh, stores. That's a no-no. That's a big problem. A lot of restaurants, you know, you, uh, you walk by these little stores and everything. You see them shoving stuff down if they have a store line in front of them. That's a big problem, and that's contributing to the rat situation. And, you know, they should they don't want to pay the fee to have it hauled away. Uh, some of them sell it for biofuel. I see a lot of these uh, uh, trucks going around with barrels, and, uh, you know, it's legitimate. They, they sell the oil for fuel. But a lot of these little restaurants, they don't want to, uh, you know, not to blame them. I'm sure they're the big ones, too. They're oh, yeah. Well, they, they biofuel before that. It used to be uh, we go off to a rendering plant where they would make soap and other products out of it. The very soap, uh, your dial soap that you're lathering up with, be made out of rendering. Let's go to Dave in Pennsylvania. Your turn to be heard here on the Animal Welfare Hour at WABC, Dave. Hey, hi, guys. Uh, two things really quick. Uh, I, I'm sure I don't have to tell you that rats carry fleas that carry the bubonic plague. So New York City really needs to deal with this. And the second thing is you should do a deep dive into how much money the uh, CEO or the SPA, uh, SPCA makes. You'd be Your mind would be boggled. Yeah, well, Nancy has promised to do that for next week, not just uh... – what has become of those dogs that they use in that very compelling video uh, to try to entice people to donate. Uh, But we'll also do a breakdown, what their budget is, uh, when they do rescue animals, uh, how many do they adopt out, foster out, how many do they end up euthanizing. Uh, Promise you, Dave, we'll do all of that. And uh, we can blame the Catholic Church for the Black Plague in Europe. They said, why, why are you blaming it on the Catholic Church, Curtis? Well, it was Pope Gregory, the oldest uh, pope who ever was made pope. His first uh, papal decree, he ordered all the followers of the Roman Catholic uh, doctrine to go out and kill the cats throughout Europe. And the observing Catholics did that. And as a result, there was no one to go after the rats, The rats had the fleas, as Dave said. It created the black plague, the bubonic plague. So go ahead. Keep killing the cats, and you'll end up with more rats. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.